Welcome to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house. We're giving out prescriptions for better financial health and making smart decisions with your money. We give common sense solutions to your complex problems. And now, here are the doctors. Well, John, it's been a very volatile stock market this week, but we got some answers for that, don't we? We do. We're going to uh, start off talking about um, what Warren Buffett says. <clears throat> yeah. You remember E.F. Hutton? Yeah, that's right. When I do. When E.F. Hutton spoke, Everybody would listen. stop and listen. It's kind of the way Warren room. Buffett is. When you, you speak about Warren Buffett, I mean, tremendous amount of respect. He's obviously a very brilliant individual, but um, great market advice that we're going to talk about today. And Kevin O'Leary from the Shark Tank. Right. So we're going to dive into that, dive uh, into what they're what, telling us. What the experts say That's about right. today's volatility in the market and all these trade tensions we're seeing. And then we're also going to talk about, you know, five early retirement mistakes to avoid. Because, you know, we talk to a lot of people about retirement planning. It's what we sit down with in, in one of the main discussions that we have. And a lot of folks are trying to retire early, but there's a lot of potholes you can kind of step into when you're planning for that. And you forget about some of the things that are really important to ensure success and the kind of retirement that you want to have. So we're going to dive into that. That'll be a very good discussion. By the way, I'm Steve Marbert. I'm a certified financial planner and a Dave Ramsey Smart Vester Pro with over 24 years experience in providing financial planning and investment advice. And I'm John Travis, also a Dave Ramsey Smart Vester Pro. I have an MBA in finance and have been helping corporations and individuals with planning for over 27 years. And we're excited to have you listen to us today on our weekly show. Our podcasts are up every Friday afternoon. Yeah, check out our website, moneymd.net. We have a link to the podcast. You can also listen to it directly from the website. We also have a lot of tools out there, um, some uh, tools on um, you know retirement planning. We have a lot of videos out there on different topics. Uh, we have a Facebook page, MoneyMD, and also a Twitter handle, MoneyMD, as well. Yeah, and we'd love to hear from you. You can email us directly at info at moneymd.net. Or you can link to us from our website. Um, we're going to start off here with the financial fact of the week. Yeah, you mentioned uh, you know May's been a little little volatile. Um, yes, it has. has some ups and some downs, and um, from its all time high back on um, April the thirtieth, the S and P five hundred has fallen about three to three and a half percent. We had a really tough day on Monday, but um, you know if you just look back at history, Steve, you know the the uh, bull run that started back in two thousand and nine, the S and P has withstood 12 drops of at least 5%, and there's right. been six drops of at least 10%, which is known as a correction, and there's been three drops of at least 15%. So, you know, and the markets have done well over that time frame, even with those drops. And if you take that all the way back, you know, into the 20s, it's very similar statistics. It, it, it happens. That's right. In fact, I mean, if you look back 100 years, um, you know, there's an average of about three drops per year that are 5% or more. And we've averaged less than that in the last 10 years. And there's an average of about one drop per year of at least 10% or more. And while we have averaged that recently, we've averaged less than that going back over the last 10 years. So again, you know, I mean, people kind of forget sometimes how volatile the stock market is. Mm -hmm. um, but the market is volatile. That's, that's part of the game here. You know, if you want the higher returns that equities offer, you have to be willing to put it with volatility, but I kind of liken it to Tiger Woods, mm -hmm. you know? It's always um, about golf with you. That's it? right. It's always about golf. Well, you know, when you're looking at the stock market, people have recency bias, and you're right. They, sometimes the perception isn't reality. People think it's more volatile than it's ever been. Truth is, it's not. They also think Tiger Woods putting isn't as good as it was in his heyday. 
But if you look at the stats, it actually is better than it was, hmm. you know, in 2000 through 2005 or whatever it was, whenever he was winning incredible number of tournaments. So, you know, perception's not always reality and the market is as volatile as it's, as it's, has been yeah it's it yeah. actually has been more volatile than it is even today mm, yeah it's so yeah it's recency it it doesn't feel i mean the news media i think that's part of it is if you look back 20 years ago i mean we're now get you know tweets and notifications on your cell phone and yeah. you know people are tweeting out you know by the minute and um it feels it feels different than it did 20 years ago but the numbers are are very similar that's exactly right so anyway good fact of the week and that leads up here to our first topic and that is what the experts say when the market, you know, has this kind of volatility we've seen this past week. Yeah, Warren Buffett, Kevin O'Leary, there's a couple other guys in here I'm, I'm not real familiar with. But, um, you know, Steve, we looked uh, Monday and, you know, the trade wars, uh, it's still kind of going on with China, right? And, Unfortunately, um, yep. yeah. They retaliated to what uh, was added on to, um, to their tariffs. Uh, the Dow and Jones uh, industrial average dropped about 700 points. Uh, before recovering a little bit, you know, and uh, China announced that it's going to raise tariffs on $60 billion worth of U.S. goods starting in June. And that followed um, the news of uh, President Trump, you know, decision to raise the tariffs on the Chinese products from 10% to 25% last week. So, you know, the the rhetoric has been amped up quite a bit and the markets have responded not real positively. Yeah, that's right. So volatility is back, you know, and um, but it's and there's really no end in sight, I mean, to this conflict for the trade war thing. I mean, I was thinking this week, you know, I was like, you know, this really could last for years and years because they didn't really capitulate to, you know, Trump's, you know, efforts to, to make a deal. And so now it's been kind of amped up. And you think once they kind of make that next move that they probably aren't going to settle this anytime soon. So this may be a long term thing, but um but having said that, I mean, you know, volatility is normal, as we just discussed, and, and this is really nothing new, and markets have done pretty well, you know, I mean, so far this year, mm-hmm. um, despite the higher tariffs. So I don't know. I mean, I, I don't really – people don't know what to make of this. Even professionals don't know what to make of this. But having said that, it's certainly no reason to panic. You know, so anyway, we have what four financial experts here say about today's markets and this kind of volatility. I'll, I'll say six market experts. Six market you experts. You and I. You and okay, I. That's together, right. right. There you go. Exactly. We're not we're not exactly like Warren Buffett, but we have yeah. the same belief system. Right? Yeah, exactly. We do. And we're not like a potted plant over here. You know? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so So Warren Buffett says, Steve, don't watch the market too closely, right? Uh, that's I good mean, advice. It really is. Even dramatic shifts in the market. Um, you know, don't have to be cause for concern. And that's what, uh, you know, Warren Buffett says, the legendary investor. He's a CEO of Berkshire, uh, Berkshire Hathaway. He says, stick to the basics. He said, don't watch the market closely when there's wild fluctuations. If, you know, if you're trying to buy and sell stocks uh, and you worry when they go down a little bit and think you maybe you should sell when they go up, you're not going to have very good results. So he's basically saying, don't try to time the market. They do pretty well over time. Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, Buffett emphasized that holding on to investments long term is critical if you want to want them to pay off in the long run. Um, you know, the money made on investments by investing and owning good companies for a long period of time is the way that's done. So, you know, if you buy good companies, you hold them over time. 
um, you know, then they're going to be fine. And that's what the market is. That's what investing is about. It's about diversifying, owning a good portfolio of, of, of companies um, that make up the U.S. market and make up small stocks, large stocks across the world. And you got to hold them long term because volatility is real. And, and that's that's what you have to endure to get the kind of returns that the market gives you know, over long periods of time. Yeah. And even if you're going into retirement at age 60, I mean, we're looking out 30 years, right, for for returns. And then, you know, when you get into your 80s and 90s, if you still have money left, you're probably going to have bonds. And then that goes to the next generation. So, exactly. um, you know, in, his, in the 2018 shareholder letter, Buffett explained that the markets are always going to be volatile. So the best thing an investor can do, regardless of the experience, is just to keep a level head. Don't don't act on your emotions. Uh, focus on the long term. So that's what Mr. Buffett says. Another gentleman named Ray, Ray Dalio, um, he says, do the opposite of what your instincts say. And uh, Ray Dalio, he's the founder. He's a billionaire. Um, he founded uh, Bridgewater Associates. He says, that's, although it's tempting to sell when the markets begin to drop, giving in to your fear is not a sound strategy. He said, you're not going to succeed that way. Um, you know, you got to do the opposite. It's when you're not scared, you probably want to sell. And when you are scared, you probably want to buy. And that's the opposite of what most people think about. Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, you certainly don't want to buy high and sell low, right? And that's what the kind of the market's doing. If you look at cash flows, you see cash flows are higher when the market's higher, you know, people are buying more when market's already high mm-hmm. and cash flows out of the market are high when the market is low. So people's instincts tell them to do the opposite of what you, you know you should do, and that is you should buy low and sell high. And that's basically what he's saying. You know, he's saying contrary in investing, you know, buying when other people are selling or when other people are scared, you know, really is a better time. So volatility actually creates some opportunities out there. And, um, you know, that's kind of the best times to buy and sell stocks often when you go against what seems logical. The greatest mistake that individual investors um, make is to think the markets um, that did well in a good market, um, you know, will continue, even though the market's expensive and vice versa, that when the market is doing poorly, uh, that it's time to sell, you know, I mean, those are the biggest mistakes. So rather when the market's cheap though, Mm -hmm. you know, so consistent investing, like we say, dollar cost averaging is a great way to take advantage of this because if you're putting money in consistently, you know, every, every month, then when markets are down, you're buying more shares. Yeah. He's, he's saying a similar message to Buffett, right? He's saying, don't time the market. Exactly. Focus long-term. Don't try to get in and out of the market. That's exactly Kevin right. Kevin O'Leary um, says, don't get emotional. He said, don't base your financial decisions on your feelings. Um, you know, Kevin O'Leary is a guy on Shark Tank, Mr. Wonderful. Yeah, that's you right. Watch that. that's, that's right. That's fun. He said, instead, instead, stick to the facts. He said, never cry when the market goes down because it's not crying for you. Sounds like him, doesn't it? Yeah, that does sound like him. Yeah, you should never get emotional about the stock market. And when investing, think long term. You'll see markets go up and they go down, um, O'Leary says. But uh, over a long period of time, and this has been consistent since the beginning of stocks in in the stock market, they grow over time because the companies and the economy grows over time. And I guess when I look at this long term, um, you know, there's 7 billion people in the world and um, about six of them. Want to probably live similar to us. Exactly. They don't have the conveniences that we have in America in the developed world. There are companies that will want to provide that. 
So where's Absolutely. the growth going to come from? It's probably going to come from those 6 billion people. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I mean, there's a lot of people that are, you know, that are kind of moving into the developed world. Um, that's why we have so much immigration, you know, and people trying to get into our country, you know, that, that want to get into, uh, you know, a very prosperous mode mm -hmm. that America is in. And, uh, you know, that, that creates a lot of growth because it creates a lot of demand as, as people do get educated and, you know, populations grow as well. Um, but O'Leary also says here he likes exchange traded funds. He likes, um, you know, buying index type funds that are not actively managed, not a lot of trading going on. You know, holding for the long term is really the message he's given here. He likes the fact they're tax efficient um, and he likes, you know, stocks that pay dividends as well. And, you know, but the key to all this is diversification, owning a lot of different asset classes. Um, you know, historically, markets rise because there are great companies out there in the world and in the U.S. Um, that are adding value, that are creating earnings, that are that are reinvesting those earnings into their companies. And, you know, that that grows the company bigger over time and that mm -hmm. makes values go up over time. And uh, all you want to do is participate in that in a smart way and, and do it over time. That's really the key that he's pointing out here. Yeah, and the last expert here is uh, Greg McBride. He is a CFA and he's a chief financial analyst at Bankrate um, organization. He says, when the market's crashing, the number one thing you should do with your money is absolutely nothing. <laughs> Don't. <laughs> That's right. Try to time it. An individual investor's biggest enemy is a market correction or when the market is down more than 10% from a high. Um, you know, the worst thing you can do is panic selling or, or knee jerk reaction. And it's natural for markets to have ups and downs. You know, if you rush and sell a minute, uh, the minute a downturn starts, you're left out when the stocks rebound in a week, in a month, or maybe even a year later. So instead of watching the market's every move, you know, keep your eye, you know, on the on the long term factors. Um, and when you do invest, it you got to view it as a long haul. Even in the face of you know doomsday forecasts of recessions, markets tend to recover. Typically, you know, within five years, I mean, this, you know, the data says with anywhere from a couple of months to maybe a year is the typical, but it has That's gone right. on, you know, longer than that sometimes. So if you're investing for decades, he says, who cares? And exactly. most people are investing for decades. If you're investing for, you know, three to five years, maybe it should be in cash. But when you have a 30-year retirement horizon, then, you know, it's okay to have some inequities to fight the inflation battle. Yeah, and if you're retired, even if you're taking money out of your portfolio, you still have a long time horizon because, you know, you're not planning to spend your last dime, you know, in the next five years probably out of your portfolio. Um, like you said, I mean, if you're planning to spend it all the next three years, then sure, you should probably not be in the stock market. But um, but if you're just taking out, you know, money to live off of and you might think you have a short time horizon, the truth is you probably have a long time horizon because, you know, if you're taking out four or five percent per year to live off of, you need the rest of that money to grow. And if you're in a portfolio that's well diversified and you have maybe 40 percent in fixed income, then that income you're taking out is when the markets are down, it's coming out of the fixed income portion. Mm -hmm. So the other 60% that's invested in stocks, it has a very long time horizon. It can continue to to recover, and it can take, even if it takes five years, you, you have plenty in your fixed income portion to live off of during that period of time. So you really don't have to worry. You do have a long time horizon for most people. Um, so keep it in perspective. You know, as they say, the enemy is is usually you when it comes to that's your right. investments. Yep. 
So uh, you, you need to make sure that you don't get in the way of success. Um, okay, good topic. And that leads us up here to our question of the week. This question has to do with being concerned. Should I be concerned about the trade war discussions? And, you know, this has been going on now for a year, right? And um, there has been some some uh, trade, uh, you know, benefit to the to the U.S., right, from some of the negotiations. Yep. It's not really talked about a lot, but, you know, some of the countries there have been negotiations. I do personally think that there will be a deal. I think Trump will not maybe get everything that he wants, but he'll tout it as he did. Right, <laughs> you know? right, um, yeah. I, I, I do think that maybe a couple of months down the road we'll have something. Both sides will be like, all right, let's meet in the middle somewhere and they'll get a deal because he's got the election in 2020 he's going to be concerned about. So even if we don't, True. you know, the businesses and economy will get adjusted to those and it'll it'll be in our rearview mirror <laughs> at some point. So. Yeah, I mean, I hope they get a deal pretty soon. You know, um, having said that, um, it is hard to believe for me that, that China hasn't kind of uh, – you know, raise the white flag and and made some kind of deal yet because they have a lot more to lose than we do. And, uh, you know, their their economy really has been severely hurt by this trade war, um, whereas ours, really, it's been kind of a just a little bump in the road, mm -hmm. you know. Um, so they have a lot more to lose than we do. So eventually we're going to win this trade war. I have no doubt about that. Yeah, because I agree. You know, we, we, we can readjust. We can buy stuff other places. We can start manufacturing that same stuff ourselves and, you know, keep those jobs here, you know, rather than buy the stuff from China. And we can buy it from Korea and all the kind of other places, too. So it just takes time to adjust to that. So mm -hmm. China has everything to lose. I, I really am not worried about the trade war at all, the long term. Yeah, you know, I agree. it's And I think it's... I think it probably is a fight worth fighting um, because they've been abusing us for a long time no, I, on I, trade. I agree. And so I think we just kind of, you know, knuckle down and bear through this. And it, it's not I don't I don't think it's going to hurt us long term. I really don't. So I'm not worried about it at all. I, I just think we shouldn't we shouldn't worry about it. We should just go on. It's creating some volatility. I don't even know that it's significantly hurting the, lo the stock market long term in terms of earnings and mm -hmm. you know long term potential. Not very much. Yeah, I would agree. So that's that's my answer to that. Um, and that leads us up here to our next topic, and that is five early retirement mistakes to avoid. Um, this is based on an article out of Bottom Line Personal from Wes Moss. And uh, But, John, you know, it's no accident that uh, 65 kind of remains the popular retirement age. There's good reason for that, and, and that's because at 65, you're eligible for both Social Security and Medicare. Um, Social Security, you can actually get at age 62, you know, as a reduced rate. And then for current retirees, uh, 66 and change is the the age that they can get, you know, full Social Security. And you can delay it all the way to age 70. Um, but with Medicare, you get full Medicare at age 65. And, you know, that's really important. Um, so but a lot of people, though, are drawn to the kind of the prospect of early retirement with the promise of decades of time to spend for travel or other passions. A recent survey found that 15 percent of adults expect to retire before age 60. That would be really early. And in 29 percent expect to retire between 60 and 65. So about 45 percent or so are retiring before age 65 55 percent after 65 that's kind of what this survey found um so early retirement you know might be wonderful if you can afford it but there are some common ways that many early retirees kind of sabotage their success 
Um, so making an early retirement dream a reality requires a little more careful planning uh, than with typical retirement. You have a fewer you have fewer years to save. You have longer wait for government benefits. Um, and what's more, you know, recent economic trends, you know, could present additional challenges. So, uh, so you just have to do some planning and healthcare costs with rising healthcare costs. Uh, you know, that's a factor as well. You got to have a plan for how you're going to get your healthcare in retirement. Um, so some financial professionals are predicting an end to the, you know, bull market, you know, I mean, so you, you never know. The stock market could, could go through a, a bear market session, and so you gotta you gotta plan your withdrawals and where your money's gonna come from. All of that factors in. But uh anyway, early retirement retirement uh requires a disciplined strategy. So here are five common mistakes that people make when they're retiring early in say their fifties or early sixties. Yeah, the first one is um not considering a phased retirement. And many would be retirees simply pick an age at which they want to stop working and try to figure out how much they need to save to reach that goal. But, um, you know, with this, you know, black and white, you know, approach, um, it may not give you the best chance for success. And it may reflect the reality that retirement, you know, comes in, in different shades and you may need to do a more gradual phase in from your career, such as maybe downshifting to part time work. Um, maybe working more hours from home, switching to a less stressful job. We see a lot of people consulting. You know, they 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 do retire from their company, but then they go back and they consult, maybe at the same place or with some different companies. So, phased retirement is important. Yeah, that's a really good option, and so we highly encourage people to to kind of test drive retirement with, you know, a phased approach, maybe part time, um, and that can make the switch financially a lot easier as well. Um, it can bridge the potential financial psychological gaps between a career and full-time retirement. Um, so to do this, rather than focusing on the day-to-day, you know, stopping work altogether, um, you know, you'll just start working less maybe. You know, maybe you work part-time if they allow that. You know, as an example, they give here a 45-year-old making $100,000 a year. Um, it's hoping to retire at age 55 and collect larger monthly benefits um, you know, he plans to wait to 67 to start drawing Social Security five years after he becomes eligible. Every year, um, you wait to claim Social Security between 62 and 70. It goes up about 8% per year, as we've talked about many times. Um, anyway, that strategy would pr- provide about 31,000 Social Security benefits per year. Uh, you know, though the, 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 the exact figure, of course, depends on you know, your work history. Mm-hmm. Anyway, you know, rather than ceasing work early at 55 and covering all the expenses from savings until you collect Social Security, he could plan to gradually reduce his workload, generating maybe $50,000 a year of income from 55 to 59 and 30000 from 60 to 63. That way he has a lot shorter period um, to rely on Social Security, you know, to make up that gap between Social Security and his full income. He wouldn't have to draw nearly as much out. Um, plus, when he retires, he'd have about an extra $370,000, according to the numbers here, um, that they're given. So that's a really good option. Yeah, so mistake number one, you know, not considering a phased retirement. Mistake number two is failing to establish multiple income streams. And, you know, preparing for early retirement involves more than just building a nest egg until it reaches a certain size and then tapping that money to pay living expenses to main the, you know, maintain the retirement lifestyle you envision, 
you know, it can be very helpful to have income from multiple sources, not just not just your your IRA um, uh, and taxable accounts. And the reasons is reason is is there's a psychological benefit from not having to depend on a single source. Um, so you know you can't start making IRA withdrawals before the age of fifty nine and a half without paying a ten percent penalty. Um, you know, reducing the net income you receive and creating a greater risk you'll deplete your savings during a long retirement. So you've got to think of some different ways to have income. And Social Security is one of them, obviously. Yeah, that's right. So what they're saying here is instead of, you know, uh, just relying on on one source of income, um, you know, from, say, your 401k, uh, develop a plan that includes additional source of income that you can tap before age 59 and a half. That might be like a taxable individual account, you know, that doesn't have the holding period that, that IRAs have to age 59 and a half. Um, it might also include, uh, you know, such as a mutual fund portfolio. Um, also might include part-time work. It might include um, income-producing assets like real estate, um, you know, rental real estate, that kind of thing. Um, so, you know, if you have multiple sources of income available to you, that gives you a lot more flexibility and gives you the ability to help control your tax situation gives you the ability not to draw so much out of your 401k that it really hurts it when markets are down. Um, so that's, you know, that's that's one way to bridge that gap. Mistake number three here, John, is waiting too long to start collecting Social Security. Um, now, we talk about Social Security a lot, and we talk about, you know, you you probably should delay if you can, um, particularly if you have a spouse that, <clears throat> that has a lot lower uh, – income than you do, um, then, you know, you delaying is a good thing because you're going to be using your Social Security probably for two life expectancies rather than one. So this really depends on your situation. But, you know, the the point here is if you wait too long to collect Social Security, um, then you have to draw so much out of your retirement plan. Um, so you, you need to kind of be careful about that, but, um, it can make sense to start social security earlier to reduce your reliance on, on your other assets and really draining your portfolio. Yeah. So you got to look at your income needs. I mean, if you're pulling out more than 5% per year from your retirement account, you may want to take it at 62, which is uh, the current minimum eligibility age. And if you retire at an age older than 62, consider claiming social security the year that you retire, um, and, instead of waiting until age 70, which is the maximum age. And, you know, when you add Social Security income early in retirement, it could reduce the risk of depleting your savings from excess uh, withdrawals, even though you're receiving a smaller benefit. So uh, there's some flexibility and variability in that. But, you know, you may want to start sooner than, than later. Absolutely. Yeah. And so mistake number four here, though, is failing to visit a health insurance professional. Um, you know, many working adults, you know, get health insurance through their employers and while they're while they're working. Um, and while you can oftentimes if you retire over age 50, 65, well, for everybody, if you retire over age 65, you qualify for Medicare. So that's not a problem. But if you retire early before age 65, um, you got to recognize that you're going to have to cover medical somehow uh, during that gap period. And there are some options you may not have thought about. Um, so you, you really ought to go see a, a health insurance professional, somebody that can look at all the different options. You may be able to qualify for the Affordable Care Act stipend. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if your income's low enough, you got to keep your income below a certain level. Like, you know, for a couple, it, it's somewhere in the mid-60s um, to be able to qualify for that. 
Um, but there are options like that that you may not have thought about. So rather than just, you know, jumping the gun and going and buying a, a you know, a policy off the street, you'll want to check with a professional and make sure you look at all the options, including something like um, MediShare, mm-hmm. you know, some of the sharing options that are out there, John. So there are other ways to deal with that. So that was mistake number four. Yeah. Mistake number five is failing to factor in the cost of supporting grown children. And see, this is a big number. 40% of parents are providing adult children with some level of financial support. So you know, uh, we see uh, in this you know stat show a thousand dollars a month in some cases, um, and so if you plan to retire while your children are not financially independent, you either have to plan to cut them off, which a lot of times doesn't happen, or factor them in as an expense. And right, I see this as a big issue with a lot of folks. You know, they're giving, they want to help, and so forth, but it's putting such a burden on them that they're eating through their retirement savings. Yeah, everybody wants to help their kids, um, but, you know, retirement is a time when you really can't afford to do much of that, probably, you know, depending on your situation. So if you've been doing that in your entire life, kind of bailing them out, you know, and helping them with put the kids through, you know, the grandkids through school or something like that, I mean, that's great, but it's got to be factored in your retirement plans and recognize that there there may be a time when you have to totally cut that off. And you you better give them a lot of heads up and, you know, a lot of communication with that. Um, but don't let it wreck your retirement. We've seen that happen more than once mm-hmm. where, you know, just trying to help the, the kids, you know, for eternity just really just drains everything they have and they run out of money short of that. Okay. Good discussion. And that leads up to our last thing here, and that is the prescription of the week. Yeah, the best time to book an airline ticket is usually between two and three months before your flight. Yep. You know, if you book too early, um, you're probably going to pay a premium. And, um, you know, if you wait to the last week, um, you may not be flying. Yeah, it'll be <laughs> so, arm and leg. You have to give your firstborn. That's right. <laughs> so flying on a Tuesday uh, is about $85 cheaper than flying on a Sunday. So two to three months out, that's interesting. I didn't, didn't Yeah, that. and I got something to add to this because I booked flights recently here, um, and I found out that, you know, they're kind of, they're selling a lot of these flights to these third-party, vend- you know, providers um, like Kayak, mm-hmm. you know, or Expedia or other places and I found out the other day that a flight I was looking at was half the price if I went through Kayak to hmm. book that same flight. And then Kayak's website directed me back to Delta's website to actually book it. Hmm. So they just linked me back, and I ended up on Delta's website, logged in exactly like I normally would do, except the price was half as much. Wow. So, you know, you need to check everywhere, um, you know, because they're really cunning about how they discriminate prices nowadays. And uh, just make sure I'd, I'd go to kayak.com, though, I think, you know, and check that against what you're seeing on the main websites. They used to be very close when yeah, you go to Expedia, but now I'm seeing huge discrepancies there. Um, so check around. Yeah, no doubt. You know, check other airports. So you got to really do your homework if you're going to get a good flight and uh, you got to do it quickly. <laughs> yes. Because otherwise they, they know you're looking and the price goes up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Well, that's been this week's edition of Money MD. Tune in next week to hear more prescriptions for your financial health. Check us out on our website, moneymd.net, and email us your questions at info at moneymd.net or give us a call at Richard Young Associates at 706 739 0725. Thanks for listening. Have a great rest of the week. Have a good one. Children of a
This program contains general information only and should not be taken as specific investment, tax, or legal advice. This broadcast is not a solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security. SmartVestor Pro is not connected to investment returns. Further information is available by contacting Richard Young Associates, a registered investment advisor.